Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We have a wonderful guest for you today who's going to give us insight into technology. She has a background in Brazil and in the United States and all sorts of tech things. But what we're going to talk about today is insights as a service and how she's harnessing AI to understand what consumers want and need. And I'm just thrilled because she is also the co-founder and a board member of GV Angels. So she's a wealth of knowledge about startups, angel investments, and building big tech brands. So I welcome Pat to the show. Pat, welcome. Hello. Thank you, Alison. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell the audience who you are and what the brand is that you're building today. Cool. Uh, I'm Patricia Zario. Uh, as you mentioned, I co-founded Birdie. Birdie is a company that helps manufacturers to understand what their consumers uh, want from their product, how they're using the product, so they can make better products for this end users once again. And pretty much what we noticed and the reason why we started Birdie is that uh, it, there's a lot of feedback available online today, even more with the pandemic. So people, when, when they buy a product, when they, when they use a service, they go online to share their perceptions. They write reviews, they write uh, comments, they go to discussion forums and they share their thoughts. And we, we believe that if we could find a way to capture all that information and process it constantly, there will be a lot of learning from this. And that's exactly what we built. So, so pretty much what we're doing is that we're capturing everything that's being said daily on the internet and we're using artificial intelligence to read, uh, interpret and understand that and then share this feedback again uh, with the brands that are producing these products. And so you're really disrupting the whole way that market research has been done to this point. Um, can you give us an example of some of the brands or, or industry segments that you're working with today? Sure. We started with consumer electronics uh, for, for two main reasons. So first, uh, there's a lot of information about consumer electronics that is needed for, for us as a consumer to understand uh, what is the best product to buy. So people share a lot of information about that. And also is a, is a product that uh, these are products that are normally sold online a lot. So we're talking about televisions, uh, smartphones, uh, even home appliances. Uh, one of our clients, for instance, is Samsung. Uh, and actually we have a, we have a funny uh, example of one of the, the learnings that we, we, they had with us. Uh, they just discovered that, uh, and, and that was the perfect uh, cue for that because they discovered that uh, washing machine buyers, uh, so people who are buying washing machines uh, for clothes, uh, there, there was a specific niche of users that were pet owners, so <laughs> dog owners, cat owners, and these people, they were pretty much concerned uh, about how good was the hair filter from the washing machine because they wanted to put their clothes there and they wanted to make sure that when, when they removed it, that there was no fur at all in the clothes. And that was one of the findings that we could bring to them from the uh, lots of data that we, we found online. 
Interesting. So then they can go and do more like niche marketing with a very specific audience and and mind. Exactly. Let's go back before you founded Birdie. I know that you have this, this wonderful background in tech. So can you share some of the things that, that you've done along your way before you became, you know, before you were officially a company founder? Sure. Uh, so um, I started, uh, I'm from the countryside of Brazil, and then I, I moved to Sao Paulo, which, which is the most important city in the country when it comes to businesses and studying. Uh, when I was very young, at 15, and uh, I soon entered uh, in college, and I, I, I entered in two, two schools at the same time, two universities at the same time. I went to law school and uh, to business school uh, together. And in the beginning, I believed that I was going to be a judge. That was my, my dream at a, a young age. And it ended up that I started uh, getting more uh, familiarized and, and, and liking better businesses because it was more practical at the end. And uh, I, I, I ended up not, never uh, working with law, never working with anything re- related to, to studying law. Uh, and as soon as I was graduating, I always worked with at consultancy companies, uh, sustainability companies. And as, as soon as I graduated, I had the opportunity to join uh, a startup. At that time, uh, we wouldn't call it a startup because we, we didn't have this name uh, about 15 years ago, but it was a small company that had technology uh, to, to help brands uh, produce better marketing campaigns. Uh, and I, I had a great connection with founders. Uh, they, they needed somebody to be almost like the, the, the second level of, of management to, to help the company that was growing, that they had about 30 people in the company at the time. And I joined, I started working with them. The company started growing three times a year. And I stayed there almost all my career, helping to uh, build new products, open new markets. So I, I went to Argentina and opened an office there. I went to Chile, I sold to Colombia, to the UK. And as I was very close to the founders, I always had this opportunity to, to think as a founder, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't one of the founders. And I fell in love with that, with like feeling like an entrepreneur like seeing the impact of what you're doing not only in the clients but also in the uh, the people that work for the company and one of my roles there was to to uh, build new businesses so it was business uh, development and we envisioned the opportunity to build something that was uh, birdie uh, and at that moment we we were discussing about like we during the, the business plan for birdie should we do uh, do it or not and then me, uh, me and one of the founders of this company we decided that we, we fell in love so much with birdie's idea that we decided to leave this previous company and and start all over again with with this new company together very nice story. I, I love how you talk about thinking like a founder because it, I think I do believe it's a learned skill to to think holistically and, and do business development. I have a question for you about, you know, you've had such a vast multicultural experience of, like you said, dropping into new countries and starting new new businesses. And by contrast, you've also had the opportunity to be a female founder in the United States. It, is there anything that you could tell us that is an interesting thing you learned from, from dropping, you know, going from Brazil to Argentina to the U.S.? Do you find the U.S. Um, friendlier or not as easy to start new businesses as in the other countries in South America? I'd say in, in Brazil, one of the 
biggest problems we have for entrepreneurs is, is that the, the government doesn't help at all. So it's very hard to open a company. It's very expensive. There's a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, so that, that's getting better. But I think uh, th there's so much problem that for you to become an entrepreneur in Brazil, you really need to want uh, otherwise you will give up because it's really hard and I think in, in that sense in the US it's much easier there is no bureaucracy at all you just need to open a company and that's it uh, so there are less barriers in that sense exactly because of that it, there is much more competition so when we decided to, to start in the US one of the reasons we, we did that is because we wanted to be a global company from the beginning Mm -hmm. And in our previous experience, uh, being in Brazil, we, uh, our, our previous company is very successful in Latin America, is uh, the leader in its market, uh, it has Fortune 500 uh, clients, but we were never able to become global uh, because all the clients that are global already had a, a, another provider in the head, their headquarters. So we were always limited to Latin America. And in this new company, we didn't want to do that. So we decided to move to the US and start. We were very aggressive in that sense. Um, there are some funny, funny things, like one, one, one uh, difference that we see is like in, in the US, people are much more uh, uh, time sensitive. So they're more, much more punctual. Uh, there are these 15 minutes meetings, you know, in Brazil, you, you, you can't think of a 15 minutes meeting. 15 minutes <laughs> is just to break the ice. People talk and talk and talk. And then you have 15 minutes of meeting and then other 30 minutes of talking about other stuff again, you know. So this is something that we needed to learn how to be very uh, lean on the message, very focused on what we needed to do. And, and we became more productive, I think. I think this is one thing that's very good. And... Uh, I think in, in the US, you also need to be more, uh, you need to prove your value since the beginning. Uh, so there, there's less, I believe, uh, let me help you. And then in the future, I might see what we will get from it. I think in the US, it's, it's much more business as business. Uh, that's also something we needed to learn. Uh, but overall, I was very well uh, received in the US. I have a lot of, had a lot of help, a lot of uh, executives that opened uh, that gave not only time to us, but shared experiences, uh, uh, networking. So we, we are being very lucky with the people that are crossing our race. Well, and as you came to the U.S. and you opened, the, and you opened Birdie, I know, like you said, you, you started off very aggressively and, and you've achieved really great results. But you also, um, my understanding is you also sought investment money or, or did you go with um, accelerator money or tell us how you got some of those additional financial resources so that you could accelerate growth? Sure. So um, we, we, in a previous company, and I didn't mention that before, but I became a partner of this company that I joined uh, 15 years ago. So in, in this previous company, it's a bootstrap company. We never raised money. Uh, and it's a very different experience. It's very good because it's your own money. You're growing at your own pace. It depends on the results that you get. And with Birdie, we wanted to have a different experience. Uh, we wanted to have uh, venture money. We wanted to grow faster. Uh, we are very aggressive uh, in, in the goals that we have for the next five years. And we knew that for that, we needed to have uh, money available. So we would need to uh, develop stuff, hire people, not only relying on clients, uh, not only rely on, uh, on sales results. 
And we were lucky again because uh, with the previous company, we had a lot of good relationships with uh, venture capital, with funds that wanted to invest in our company, uh, that were following our journey. So they knew who we were as entrepreneurs. They knew our ability to execute. Uh, so when we started Birdie, uh, some of them who were following this, they, they, they said, oh, we want to invest in you. If, if you. if you guys are open to, we, we, we would love to, to be in this journey with you. So we, we raised uh, an angel and a pre-seed round. Uh, the, the last round was um, in July. So in the middle of the pandemic, we, we were a little <laughs> On concerned. On the raising money, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we were a little concerned, like, oh my God, the pandemic, we will be able to do that or not. So, but, but again, like the relationships helped us a lot. Uh, and, and we used this money to hire people to improve the product, to start uh, building a sales team so we can grow. Uh, next year is going to be the, the, the real uh, accelerated growth year. This year was more to, more to prepare everything. Uh, and we also participated in some acceleration programs. Uh, this acceler- we, we chose to participate in acceleration programs that were non-equity. We were accelerated by Samsung. They have an acceleration program for startups. Uh, and actually, that's how they ended up becoming our clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also were accelerated by 500 startups in the U.S. They have a branch in Miami supported us a lot with connections, with uh, tips, with frameworks. So they're very helpful for us for our growth, for sure. So let's go back to the AI. Let's go back to the aggregated data that, that you all are, are doing in your, in your business. Um, because I know one of the things that you talk about is, you know, that you can transform this consumer-generated content. So all the things that the consumers are saying online and, and, and that that web of like what Big Brother knows about all of us. Can you tell us a little bit more about the data aggregation process? Because this is pretty much all public data that you're tapping, that you're tapping into, correct? Yes. And so exactly. it can, how can you, um, can you, can you give us another example of how you can predict like consumer buying behavior or or how your customers are using the data that you're giving to them. Yeah, so one, one thing that's interesting is that as we're not capturing uh, personal individual data, uh, we are just creating patterns, cohorts of uh, groups of people that are sharing information about uh, the usage of the product, the performance and the satisfaction. Uh, and we, we pretty much help with uh, first identifying problems we call them pre-critical issues. So anything that's starting to become critical, either as an opportunity or as a problem, we can help our clients identify faster because this is constant. They don't need to, as you mentioned, they don't need to do a survey that will take a few months to capture data and then to process the data with a specific sample of people. So we're capturing everything that's being said. And then we are able to, for instance, discover if people are using a product in a different and unexpected way. So just to give uh, an example, uh, do you know that V8 juice, that vegetable juice? Mm-hmm. That, uh, so there are a lot of people who drink that for hangovers. So the, the, if you, if you on, the, on the day after drinking, you, you can drink that and that's very good to, to heal a hangover. That's one of the things that if you do a survey, as it's something from the inside out, you, you might not think of asking about that. And with Birdie, as we are capturing everything that's being said, you, you can discover uh, unexpected ways of using a product or unexpected niches of people that are doing something for product. So this is uh, one example. And we also have examples of clients who discovered problems that were getting so big that they, they needed to anticipate a product recall. 
because there was something wrong with uh, a, a specific uh, element, a specific feature from the product. Uh, but pretty much what we do is that every, every word that's said is captured and then they, we have a dictionary uh, where we are able to, to identify, the, the AI is able to identify if that specific word is related to a product feature, is related to a profile of person, is related to their buying experience. So a lot of different uh, uh, types of, uh, of mentions. And then we, we are able to put them all in the, same, uh, in the same bucket and show that to clients as the trends or things that are specifically. So uh, just another example, we can tell to a client if they're selling a television, for instance, what are the if the people like the design, if the people are complaining about pieces, if they're like or dislike the image quality, if the delivery guys were good, if customer service were good, was good and things like that, all from this cloud of words that we're able to identify. Yeah, so it sounds like it's, it's just a really amplified um, listening mechanism. I know I've read things recently that said, you know, the typical like, um, client advisory group is is dead because you don't want to be talking to everybody that loves your products. You want to be like what you've just described to us, you know, listening to how people are really using or tapping in and then and then lean into that because you you explained that to me about V8 juice and I'm thinking, wow, on the last week of December, V8 better be all over TikTok for people saying, I've got it in my fridge. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for January 1st. Um, So it it elicits all of these visuals in my mind of where you can go once you you have that that data. Well, I want to ask you, what's next? Where is what's that next evolution then for the products that you're you're developing or where you see um, kind of this use of AI and marketing insights going into the future? Cool. Yeah, we are, our vision is that uh, today we're using only third-party data, so only data that is captured from, from uh, uh, e-commerces or social networks or discussion forums. But we believe that if we plug that with internal sources from our clients, so market share, sales results, uh, their CRM, uh, anything like customer service platforms that they already have, if we connect all those sources of data together, there's so much that we can learn. Uh, and we can start predicting much better. We can start helping our clients instead of focusing the, their time on analyzing the data, we can do the data analysis for them and we can show them the outliers so they can make faster and better decisions. So we believe that uh, at some point we will be the, we call it a system of intelligence. So it will be the one, one uh, platform that our clients plug all their sources of consumer feedback and consumer data so we can help them identify what what is working or not. As we get ready to close, I want to ask you, is there any uh, books or podcasts or um, mentors that you really enjoy that you would recommend to the audience to check out? Sure. Uh, I have one one podcast that I love to to hear too is uh, Masters of Scale from Ray Hoffman. Uh, I, I, I'm really a fan of him. I read all his books. I, I li- like the podcast. Uh, w- one of the dreams we have is that he invests in Birdie and he becomes <laughs> one of our advisors. So maybe if he listens to this, uh, this can happen at some point. Well, and, I want to reach out to him because I haven't listened to his podcast. Oh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
one one mentor that came to my mind. I have so I had so many uh, so, so many people that were relevant in different moments of our journey. But recently, we we had a mentor uh, from 500 startups called Richard McDonald Jr. He's a very good guy. He's not that mentor that just do like uh, have meetings with you and tell you what you do and, and leaves. He, he, he stays with you all the time. He tries to follow up to what's happening and he, he almost becomes part of the team. So I think that's, that's really good. That is, that's fantastic. So Pat, if people want to find out more, if they want to um, go look up Birdie online and learn more or find, connect with you, how can they do it? Well, they can enter on our website is birdie.ai. Uh, very easy. Uh, they can also email me at pat at birdie.ai, or they can add me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, It's uh, slash Patricia OMG. Like, oh my God, that's my last name. (laughs) 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 Well, Pat, I really appreciate you sharing um, your story and your insights. And we wish Birdie all of uh, the best and, and great success. Uh, To our listeners, if Pat said something that resonated with you, please share this podcast with somebody else. Reach out to her. Let um, her know that you appreciate what their company is doing and delivering in the world. If there is a remarkable and disruptive company founder that you think we should speak to, write to me at connect at allisonksummers.com. And until the next time, keep your eye on the future. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.